Have you ever wondered how a company is able to offer unlimited time off or be a pet-friendly office? Curious how HR leaders manage the well-being of remote or essential workforces? If so, you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Andrea Heron, Head of People for WebMD Health Services, and I'd like to welcome you to the HR Scoop. On this podcast, I talk with other HR leaders to explore the world of unique employee benefits and about the challenges of managing unique workforces, because well-being isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. In the season three finale of the HR Scoop, I'm so thrilled to welcome back a panel of past guests to wrap up this season with the 2022 Predictions Podcast. Join us as we go around the virtual roundtable, gaze into our HR crystal balls, and give the audience our predictions for HR in 2022. Welcome everyone to a very special edition of the HR Scoop. We have a panel here of some of our favorite former guests, and I am really looking forward to hearing from everyone and what we think will happen in the future. So we're going to live a little bit outside of our current realities and talk about what we all see from our unique perspectives, and hopefully that will be fun. So with us today, we have Gina Romano the VP of HR at Centerfield Media. Welcome, Gina. We have Susie Dunn, the Chief People Officer at Zapprove. Nice to hear from you again, Susie. Uh, we have Mitch Martins, our Senior Wellness Manager at Northern Arizona Healthcare with us. Welcome, Mitch. And then last but not least, we have Doug Shapiro, VP of Research and Insights at OFS. Lovely to have you all back again. So to kick it off, I'm, we're just going to jump right in because there is so much in the future that we just can't wait to share it with you. Not like we actually know what's going to happen, but here's our best guess. So Mitch, what do you see for future trends in 2022 and beyond? Ooh, I, I love the <laughs> and beyond, very mysterious. Yeah, yeah I, I, I will tell you, if it's not a prediction, it's already happening. And, and so it's social well-being. You think of companies and maybe, you know, some of the people listening and or some of the, you know, the, the panelists here already have worksite wellness programs. And I would bet if you're invited to think about your worksite wellness program, we probably all do a decent job when it comes to physical well-being and offering programs around that and offering maybe even programs because mental health was a big topic, you know, especially in the last year. So we've put a lot of passion into that. But I would challenge all of us, and by the way, I am no special. I, I, I fall into the same category. How well are we doing with our social well-being programs? What are we cognitively you know, and consciously doing to work on building social relationships? It is so, so often one of our, you know, there's basically like three psychological needs. I don't, I don't need to put on my therapist hat because I purposely took that off many years ago, but autonomy, competence, and relatedness are the three basic components of psychological needs. That relatedness piece is the one that tends to get overlooked. And the reason why I think this is going to become a future issue if it's not already an issue is because of how as work sites, we've started moving to hybrid, how we've started moving to people working from home. And now what's gonna happen is people who were already feeling lonely, and I would argue that a lot of people already are feeling lonely, now we've just increased that. 
because we've just looked at the business needs of, hey, they can work from home. Hey, we can save some money. We now don't have to lease this building or whatever the, the appropriate right reasons were for allowing this. We've overlooked the social component that I think we all took for granted when working alongside our colleagues, even, <laughs> even if our colleagues sometimes drove us crazy. Guess what? At least my friends and if, uh, who did work from home, worked from home during the pandemic said, I never thought I would say this, but I miss some of them, even though they drove me nuts, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, 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 and just to kind of summarize it, if I no longer have social connections, because guess what? We tend to join a company either because of the reputation or there's a sexy salary or there's a sexy uh, title, but we usually stay because of the people. And if the people, if I'm not connected to the people anymore, well, then why doesn't company X down the road say, Mitch, I'll pay you a dollar more. And it's like, well, I'm working from home anyway, and I have no loyalties. Why don't I come work at that company? So it's, I think, a concern and a trend that um, hopefully will probably change in the future. And I say trend, meaning this hybrid working from home thing may need to come back. We may see down the road, you know, and I know, Doug, all you, you just because I heard, you know, you're with research, you may start to see some of that in the future of like, oops, this actually our profitability and some other things are actually backfiring because of this. So that was my long kind of um, soapbox and I'll get off now. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think it is so interesting because coworkers are this special breed of humans that we spend so much time with and may never see outside of those walls, whether they be, you know, literal walls or internet walls. But, you know, it's like we could, we know so much about each other, but I would never hang out with you. But yet I miss you. <laughs> right, right, right. So so let me just throw in one more thing. And then I really do hope, Doug, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll jump in here, which is, you know, the, uh, uh, Gallup, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gallup and just lots of people who do research and, and they have something called the Q12. And these are basically 12 questions that talk about employee engagement and, 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 are, and are kind of like influencers, if you were. And the most common of the 12 that gets ignored or even questioned, how important is that? And that question is, do you have a best friend at work? So it's an interesting component. And, and again, there's other, th there's other questions like, do you have the resources you need? Have you been recognized within the last seven days? And companies can say, oh yeah, we do blah, 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 blah. But what do we do as a company to build friendships, to encourage finding a best friend at work? Yes, they don't have to be, to your point, Andrea, they don't have to be someone that I want to hang out with and necessarily even invite to my wedding. But it is nice to have someone to commiserate with. It is someone nice to kind of close the doors and say, oh my God, this patient's driving me, I, I work in healthcare. Oh my God, this patient's driving me crazy. Or I can't believe my boss is making us do blah, blah. We like having that. I like having someone to go to lunch with. If that gets taken away, oof. I don't know. But but Doug, I, I keep, I keep yeah. calling you out. What are your thoughts about what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I think what you're capturing here really illustrates sort of a realignment we're seeing for the office and the purpose of the office. Because I think we all have kind of started to question, well, do we need an office? Why do we have an office? What do we use it for? And certainly as we began to see social connections kind of erode, the office really is a special place for that to happen. And, you know, Andrea and I talked about this. It, it is this weird place where all these people of all these different backgrounds come together and this might be the only place you see them. And that's what makes it so quirky and special. And an office that's designed for social connection, 
looks completely different than most of the offices that are designed today. So when I mm. think about your prediction, Mitch, which I think is spot on, I think it influences the way we think about our offices and the way the space is designed. Mm. Well, yeah, I got it. We hadn't even thought about that. Like, it's it's so funny that the prior organization I worked for, they 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 had these cubicles that were kind of you know, let's just say it was six feet high, and they lowered them to three feet so we could all see each other a little bit more. And 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 their rationale was there's more collaboration, there's more whatever you want to call it. Maybe there. I mean, I'm not an architect, so I just kind of. I didn't get involved in all of that, but maybe that's a little bit what you're talking about, like creating yeah. a, 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 an environment that, that produces or encourages brain think or socialization or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, spot on. I, I think you're, you're really, you're after the right idea, the right spirit there, which is just the old way we imagine the office maybe isn't supporting the real reasons to have one. And social well-being and social connection is right at the core of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's interesting. There are two definitive camps with this work from home, right? There are some CFOs, maybe some other individuals who really want to be back in the office 100% of the time. And then there are all of these successful teams who have found working remotely has worked so well for them for so many reasons. And I think when I, I think about my organization and similar tech companies in Los Angeles, how competitive it is, the key is flexibility and giving those the opportunity who want to have an office, have an office, have space to come collaborate to, and those who don't have the ability to work from home. And I, I think flexibility is king next year and moving forward. The companies that aren't flexible are not going to make it. They're going to leave, the employees are going to leave, and they're going to go somewhere where they have the ability to work how they want in the environment that they want to work in. And so I, I agree that this is it's changing and it's fluid and you know, COVID has so many impacts on, on what it's going to look like in the next couple of years. But if companies aren't flexible, they're going to lose their talent if they haven't already. It's, it's such an interesting concept, Gina, that you just made me think of it. It's like we, we as human beings or, or as people with the pandemic, we were asked to be flexible. And now what you're suggesting is, hey, the individual was asked to be flexible. Now can companies match that same flexibility? That's really powerful. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And this is Susie. I um, completely agree in terms of the flexibility being such an important factor We are hybrid as well, but we have a space available for people as they need it. And this has been really important to our strategy, especially for the parents who have been at home, their children now being able to get back to daycare and now being able to get back to school. Some of these parents just wanting a place to go work. So we found it really interesting. The folks coming in the office have been more, the parents are like, I just want a day out of the house right now. My kids are (laughs) at daycare. My kids are at school. Um, But flexibility is really the key. And and Mitch, you mentioned earlier, we could go work a dollar for a dollar somewhere else. Well, as we all know, the war on cash comp right now mm. is incredibly competitive. And if we don't differentiate on benefits, we're not going to be able to retain talent. And we have to think about those flexible ways. And you know, so much of the thinking is about being more personalized in our approaches, which I know is hard. It's hard to think about how do you personalize, but if we don't really focus on making sure the benefits work for our team in this hybrid, flexible environment, I I think we're just going to be seeing more attrition. 
you're spot on, Susie. I, it, that, it's that, and, and and how do we define benefits? You know, I, I'm I'm probably the oldest one on this call, and you know, and I'm like this old-fashioned like benefits means insurance and life coverage. You know, and maybe I'll get a gold watch if I've been there 50 years. And and the way we define benefits, you're right, has to be so much more um, personalized and, or individualized. I think was the word you used, and that's and and that's scary for a company who's like can't I just do the cookie cutter everyone else seems to be doing? But to your point, Susie, how are we going to differentiate ourselves from the other companies? So they say, oh, these, I'm going to call them soft benefits, you know, that maybe a little harder to measure. That's why I stay with that company because mm-hmm. these little, I, I, I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah. And to be fair, nobody has to do any of these things, right? You can absolutely keep your status quo, but let's see what that looks like in six months or a year. So all excellent, excellent points. And so Susie, since you were just um, mentioning your thoughts on some of that, do you have any other trends that you see kind of coming quickly? So something that when I was on earlier podcast, it was really around parental leave and the various kinds of leaves. And uh, Sherm again has said that the second most important benefit beyond healthcare is really leave, right? time off and the time off programs. And one of the trends we've seen, and I I know as I've been talking to peers, it's that flexibility, especially defining caregivers even more broadly, especially as we've had members of our families impacted with COVID, you know, it may not be our child. It may be other situations we have to be caring. I think the flexibility, you know, that's, that's the key in it, but being able to to know that I'm not, my job's not going to be at risk if I have to take care of somebody, if I, whether that's the child, whether again, that's a spouse. But I think one of the things we just have to be prepared for, we've had cases where folks have needed flexibility just to be able to help get people to doctor's appointments and various things. And, and if the company's not able to be flexible, the employees are going to go find somewhere else to work or potentially take time off. There's a number of people that are leaving without having another job, but leaving to take a break. And that's one of the trends I worry about is this, this desire to leave to take a break, thinking you have to leave in order to do that versus being able to find ways with leave programs to work with people to retain them. It's an interesting uh, segue into something I was thinking about in terms of parental leaves and infertility benefits. Mm-hmm. Our population, when I started three and a half years ago, was the average age was 26, 27. Our average age is now around 34. And so we have a lot of people who are having kids, getting married, and they uh, want flexibility in what we offer in terms of our, our benefits for time off. So we've gotten a little creative and uh, we started providing all new parents with something called the snoo. I don't know if you've heard of the snoo, but it's essentially like a smart crib and it rocks your baby to sleep. So all of our new parents get that for the first six months of their kid's life. We also implemented some infertility benefits, very LGBTQ friendly. It doesn't have to be a man and a woman who are trying to conceive. These progressive types of benefits, uh, in addition to a robust time off policy for maternity and paternity leave, I think go really a long way with the employees these days. And it's about kind of getting ahead of the curve and thinking of these things before they're really hot. And then that way it's going to attract talent early on. 
That's so smart, Gina. Do they, do they make these new things for adults? I want one for me. <laughs> I think they do. I'll connect you to the rep. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. But, I, but, but thank you. you. You just said something that, that, that is really spot on. And I don't know all the science around it, but once you've hooked someone, they're less likely to leave. But if they've already hooked somewhere else, so to your point, Gina, We've got to be the innovators. We've got to be doing whatever that's going to get you to come to me first because we're creatures of habit. And once we get into a habit, once we go somewhere, we're less likely to disrupt that. And so we, we may, we may as well not wait for everyone else to, to have this new benefit because then we're going to be too late and, and all the good ones will have already gone somewhere else. Yeah. And I think we're, we're really big on trying things, giving it a go. And if people aren't into it, then fine. We, we took it, we took it, we took a risk. However, I think we find when we do these really unique benefits, people are really responsive. They're interested in it. They want to try it. Um, and it, it's been very advantageous for us. And hopefully they brag about it on social media. I mean, yeah. isn't social media power now? I mean, so totally. if, if you can be talked about, hopefully in a positive versus a negative, uh, I mean, come on. So I love, yeah, let's take some risks. Let's be a trend. And all of those things really come back to allowing people to human. You know, I mean, we're talking about flexibility. We're talking about starting a family and whatever family means to you and whatever that journey looks like and whatever time you need to take care of sick family members. And maybe it's not your direct child, but it could be your aunt that lives with you and who is sick. I mean, we're just, we're realizing because we can no longer ignore it, that humans have to human and the workplace has to accommodate that if you want to keep your talent and attract new talent. And if you don't, the business down the street is learning that they can. Yeah, we're, we're seeing the same, we're seeing you know everything that we're discussing and how we take care of people take care of that human, we're seeing that show up in, in, in the office as well with how we can give them little benefits in the office, You know how we can create spaces for people uh, to get away, to have a private moment. Uh, so it's, it's showing up in place as well. I remember when the nap room was the biggest scandal of all time. <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, there is a time and a place to take a nap. We've had some issues sometimes with people <laughs> sleeping on the job, which is another story. But along those same lines, one thing that we've implemented is meditation breaks where we provide employees when we were in office full time, it was a meditation bus and they could leave and go on the bus and meditate in the middle of the day. And now we have meditation breaks, the same idea, but you're at home and, and we walk you through a guided meditation. That mental health component is infinitely more important than it ever has been. And I think, um, again, from a creativity standpoint, how can you think of ways to add in these mental health breaks for your employees, whether it's, you know, a nap room or a meditation break. But I think that uh, mental health has to stay at the forefront this next year. Yeah. I, I even see a little bit of a work from home hangover as we kind of reemerge back as social creatures back in the office. There's going to be these habits and these comforts that we've developed that we are getting disrupted now. And we're going to need these kind of social, I don't know, we're going to need these, these spaces to find peace and quiet. It's just going to be critical. One thing we've done in our space is we've designed zones for that exact reason. And so there's the quiet zone. There's the more creative zone that typically more like sales and marketing will want to hang out and be chatty. 
The quiet zone is more we're engineers or people that just want a place that's quiet to think. So we've just designed these different zones and we label it as such. And that has been a really big hit for people. And all of ours is now hoteling space. So you can select where you want to work and you know what zone it's in and you know what's provided at that desk. And that's been quite a perk. And then we also have just, as we're trying to, we're actually trying to draw people to want to come in and use the space. You know, we're just coming up with some creative ways just to bring people together and, and create a sense of community. And that's been a big hit as well. I'm going, I'm going to steal that idea. I love (laughs) that. And our teams will totally respond to it. I think it's kind of happened organically, but to definitively say like, you can get a little bit louder in this corner. And, and this is, you know, for the quiet workers. I love that. Well, and, and let me jump on what you just said, Gina. It's you, 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 officiate making it official, formally, like as a company, acknowledging. Because you're right. There's, you know, what, what do we say about like practice eats policy for breakfast or something like that? It, it, it's this idea that we have all these policies, but since you're new, let me tell you how it really works. You know, and, and so for you to say, listen, we formally recognize that we've got these different zones, and we want we actually encourage giggling, telling jokes, playing game, whatever it is. I love that concept. I, I mean, I work in healthcare. And so I think we can be more uptight than maybe the average company simply because it's like, we're dealing with death and dying. There's nothing funny about that, you know, and you should never laugh at patients or crazy family members or whatever it is. So how can we find safe space, you know, and I think it was Andre who's just saying it, to be human, to acknowledge our humanness. Yeah. And to give people permission to do it because some people feel comfortable just doing it, but a lot of people, they're rule followers, you know, they don't want to make a mistake. And so they need that, that permission. So, okay, Susie, that was a hit, at least here in this circle. So thanks for sharing. Um, Gina, what else do you have on your list of predictions? You know, one interesting thing that I think some companies are starting to look at and do is the idea of a la carte benefits. And so instead of having this one size fits all benefits package that you apply to your entire population, you instead have a choose your own adventure benefits package and you let them decide what they want to get out of their benefits package. So for those who uh, have kids or starting a family, they may lean towards and value more of those family planning benefits. For somebody who's in their 20s and they have dogs, maybe we could provide them with you know, a dog watching stipend or something like that. I believe, again, along the lines of flexibility, that if you can create this unique and very progressive idea that gives employees exactly what they want for benefits, that's going to plant the seed of loyalty with them. And they're going to want to stay for your company. They're going to be happier. They're getting exactly what they want out of it. You know, some individuals may need help with financial planning or paying off student loans. And I I just think you've got to be creative in, in creating that. And then the last piece that I think is really important along the lines of what Mitch was saying earlier, and we've kind of talked about throughout, is just this idea of of inclusivity, mental health, keeping people mentally sharp. And I think allowing for teams to have trainings on inclusivity, we've been away for a long time. How do we get back into the office and how do we have that connection? How do we have psychological safety so people feel good coming back? And then the last point is, how do we have inclusivity and equality for those that may stay remote 100% of the time versus those that are coming into a hybrid office? 
And I think this is something that companies are going to struggle with because those who are remote are going to miss out on the happy hours. They're going to miss out on the parties and the team bonding events. And how do you make their career experience just as engaging as somebody who is able to come into an office? So I, I think that's a lot that I just threw at you, but <laughs> what I'm thinking for next year. A, a choose your own adventure. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah, just to, I completely agree with you. And one of the things that we instituted last year, as we started thinking we were going to be coming out of COVID and we were starting to open up capacity again. And, um, but one of the things we've just created as our mantra is zoom is the meeting room, not the conference room. Zoom is. So just because as we start getting back into the office, the people that you see in the room may not be the only people that need to be in the room. And so really trying to make it so Zoom is the meeting room. And then the other thing that we've been doing is um, as we have had people hybrid, we've had some folks inside the, the office for meetings, others at home. If we're having lunch served in the meeting, we always have lunch delivered to the folks that are at home. So everybody feels like they're part of that collective experience. And it's, you know, it's affordable. You, you send Grubhub or DoorDash or whatever it is, but we've made those intentional changes to be inclusive. And that's been important for us. Yeah. And I, I think along those same lines, the recognition piece of it. So it, creating the inclusive environment is important, but also how do you keep recognizing the people that are working from home versus those that are, it's easier to recognize somebody when you see them in the office and give them a high five and say, great job. Um, being recognized, I think, for the, the younger generations right now is really important. And finding ways that you as a company can make big shows of affection to the employees, regardless of where they are, um, it, it, it goes a really long way. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll jump in, and, and, and especially for the listeners, here's my invitation to be able to harness this you know, genius talking about inclusivity, for example, or, and whatever it might be. To build strong relationships, to build that, these are my four recommendations. Proximity, keep proximity in mind, and how do you do that? Familiarity, similarity, and self-disclosure. And I think self-disclosure is the one that sometimes gets left out of this equation of how can it be safe enough for me to bring my whole self to work? Is it safe enough to let people know I'm gay, that I'm Muslim, that I'm in a rock band, that I collect snakes, what, what, whatever it is, you, you, you know what I mean? That, that I'm into harp music. I don't know. I mean, you, it, can it be safe enough at the, where I can self-disclose? Because that's where inclusivity really blossoms is like, I felt good enough to be myself at work. And not that I just felt good enough, but to Gina's point, I got recognized for it. Yeah. Bring your harp to work day. There you, there, like there you go. Showcase. <laughs> right. Exactly. I love it when people bring their dogs to work. I mean, so it's like, why not get to see a little, bring your kid to work day. And does that even exist anymore? Like career day? I don't even know if that exists anymore, but I love that idea. <laughs> Mitch, I, I am just so feeling on what you're saying there. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I really do connect with it. And I, I mean, obviously the, the, uh, the, the social health and well-being of the people involved are at stake, but there's even so much, you know, there's so much at stake just in that statement, because I mean, let's face it. We, we only, the only way good ideas are even shared are if you feel safe enough to share them. And I do worry about camaraderie. And, and I think to the point where we kind of started this conversation about being more intentional 
with our social connections, like developing camaraderie and the sense of feeling safe, doing that in a hybrid environment, I think we have to be super strategic about how we go about that. Agreed. All right. Well, Doug, since you've got the floor, what predictions do you have for us for the upcoming future, which is unlimited and undefined? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to focus my my uh, predictions on the office as a space and, and and a place. I would like to just start by comparing it to the cinema, okay, to the movie theater, which has a bit of an identity crisis going on right now. If you think about the movie theater, it's like, well, I've got all this entertainment at home. I can watch a movie at home. I can pop popcorn. Why do I need to go to a movie theater? And some of the same things apply, right? The experience, the technology, uh, the camaraderie and the social aspect, the comfort. There's a lot of reasons why you might decide then that, okay, I want to have this experience in movie theater. And in a way, I think the office is a kind of a bit of a consumer product now. It's not a thing that you have to have. It's a thing that it's a, it's a tool in your toolkit as an employee. And so really identifying why we need to have that office. And I think the themes that you brought up and that, that showed up even in other aspects, whether it was benefits or otherwise, personalization uh, and flexibility, I think are two huge themes that will penetrate the office. The idea that personalization and the fact that as Susie was alluding to, you have choice now. You have choice of the kind of space that works for you. I think those choices are going to be key. And having a hybrid environment will allow you to take the same real estate footprint you have and and have an array of choice inside of it. And so I see that as as a big movement. And and that has to do with that personalization, realizing that everybody's different. Uh, And then flexibility, I think, is, is important. And flexibility at the personal level, but even at the spatial level, I think a theme I'm seeing or prediction is that we are going to get much more comfortable with the idea of being disrupted and we need to have spaces that will allow us to reinvent themselves. So I, I actually think that the last two years of disruption is really just a, a good preview of perhaps the rest of our careers. Uh, you know, Technology won't slow down. Uh, competition won't slow down. We will always be disrupted. And I think now we're at a point where we understand to thrive in this environment, we have to be flexible. And so do our spaces, our people, our spaces, we, we need the ability to respond. And then another topic, lastly, that I'd love to explore with this group is culture, because I do think that, you know, my prediction is that culture, it's already been disrupted, but I feel like culture was part of the problem of how we got here. We didn't, it didn't need to be so disruptive. And so revolutionary. The only reason we weren't already working hybrid was because our cultures stood in the way. And so I think as long as we're all very aware that we should, that there was opportunity, lifestyle, there's all this stuff we've left on the table over the past five years to a decade where the technology allowed us to do it. um, How do we not make that same mistake again? So whatever culture we're creating right now, are we going to be updating it? Are we going to, are we going to let it go stale kind of like we did here in the past decade? Yeah, we're going to take another pandemic uh, in 10 years for us to realize that we need to keep evolving constantly and thinking about is what we're doing working right now. I think that one of the silver linings of, of COVID and the pandemic was that 
we found so many companies can be successful with hybrid and it gives employees that work-life balance that maybe they didn't have before. So I, I really, I really like that. And I think for companies to be successful, they've, they've got to keep thinking about how to evolve and don't rely on a pandemic to, to make a big change. I, I love what's being said. Gina, let me let me push back a little bit on something that I heard you say. All right, come on, baby. Here we go. So I, you know, I heard, you know, people are loving this work-life balance. I would suggest actually work-life balance maybe has gotten worse because of the hybrid, because now I'm at home. Now I can be disrupted at home. Now I'm checking my emails. And don't get me wrong. I love the idea that in the middle of the day, I now can go to a doctor's appointment and I'll just work later, you know, I'll work an hour later or, or whatever it might be. But I'm personally concerned being the wellness guy, you know, in, in, in my company, I'm concerned about there has been too much of an overlap, too much of an integration that actually our employees are having a hard time separating. And so if it's at midnight and a text message or an email or whatever, you know, and I know that's not what you were, you were intending by saying, hey, everyone's good with, with the work-life balance. I, I know where you were going, but I'm hoping the listeners would start to challenge again about what, what everyone was saying. Doug was saying, hey, let's challenge our culture. Let's Let's be aware of have we really achieved work-life balance or actually has it maybe gotten a little worse? And do we as companies need to intentionally create spaces to decompress? Part of resilience is being able to find time to decompress. And I'll give you just a simple kind of analogy. It's probably a poor analogy, but I, I still love it because I'm a visual person. You know the old analogy of boiling, boiling a frog. If you want to successfully boil a frog, you do it slowly. If you want to not boil, if you just want to take a, a pot of boiling water and you put a frog in it, he's going to jump right out. But over time, if you just put them in lukewarm water and just slowly bring up the temperature, you'll eventually boil them because they'll keep putting up with it. So the analogy or the reason why I share that story, not because I like boiling frogs, but this <laughs> idea that are we just slowly ticking away at, eh, what's another five minutes? Eh, now I'm doing this. Oh, I used to have a comfortable chair in my office, but now I'm just using my, 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 the chair at my dining room table. And these little things without us realizing it are starting to add up. Back to Gina, your promotion about mental health, and we cannot overlook mental health. I'm wondering if we need to intentionally build in some decompression, build in some better, um, listen, we have a policy, which is you don't email when you're on vacation. Don't be one of these, oh, I'm on vacation, but I'm checking my emails or whatever it is. I, I don't know. I don't have all, the, have all the ideas yet, but it's something that I'm trying to be aware of as we're moving forward. Again, to you guys' point about uh, let's, let's not find ourselves in this situation again, when we could have been learning with what's right in front of us. Yeah. You know, something, another example of that, that I've started to see pop up is everyone who was working remote for so long was getting up and starting work at the regular time that they would have been commuting. And then they work until they would have been home. And now that some people are coming in more, they're basically losing up to an hour and a half or two hours, however long your back and forth commute is of work time, which then they didn't get as much done. So they feel like they didn't get accomplished. So then they work late or they get up mm -hmm. earlier. And so it's even as much as the buffer, as much as I, I don't enjoy sitting in traffic, I do enjoy singing at the top of my lungs because I sound like Mariah Carey in my car um, <laughs> and I'm not answering emails, you know? But then if, 
but then you do feel behind because I get home, I open the emails and now in the time I drove home, I have 12 more that, well, couldn't I just get through those because tomorrow I'm going to get 85 more. And, you know, it is kind of that same with the hybrid or the commute, you have to factor in like, I'm actually not available for an extra hour and a half or hour, two hours if you have a horrible commute, um, which is something that I never thought about until I started experiencing and and hearing other people say the same thing. Well, I think this, you know, Doug, I, your whole concept about culture tied to this, I mean, that completely resonates and Gina, as well as, I mean, it forced us to evolve and we have to keep evolving. I think it's our responsibility as employers to be doing a bit of monitoring the, the wellness and the, the mental wellness, especially of our teams. And it's something that specifically we've paid attention to since having to go home in March of 2020. And no matter how much you try to give permission to say, please, you know, don't now that you're at home, please learn how to shut down. Please don't be responding after hours. We can say all those things, but it's really interesting just watching the patterns of behavior because even though you say it, you may still see it. And so what we've intentionally done is looked for times to give breaks, like what's a long weekend, like both this year and last year, extending around the 4th of July, take time off. Everybody's going to be taking time off. You know, not every employer can do that. Um, But looking for ways that you can create those moments for people to get the space. I think that's part of what we need to do this year. And last year, we both have done no meeting weeks the last weeks of the year. You know, those are things I know other employers are doing too, but just at least a no meeting week. So you're not feeling the pressure. Um, But I feel like it's part of what we have to do is pay attention to the culture and make sure that, that we're honoring employees too, and finding those ways to give those relief valves when we need them. Yeah, Mitch, I was definitely speaking from my experience with our employees and it is really personal. Every company is going to be different, not to toot my own horn, but we do a lot to make sure our employees have a great work-life balance. We have like flex Fridays, we have unlimited PTO, we have the meditation breaks. And I also think it starts at the top. Our leadership team is really strong at, we take the time that we need so that when we're at work, we're energized and we feel good. And I think that sets the tone for the rest of the organization. Um, I agree with you. I have tons of colleagues who are in toxic environments where they don't have a strong work-life balance. But I think our company had more of a grind pre-COVID and in the office long hours. And now we may still work long hours at times, but we've implemented these other policies and programs that have just given back to the employees. And setting the tone with the leadership and having them exude the behaviors that you want as an organization is really important to make sure that the rest follows. I mean, that's just so exciting. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if we could all go to work, like all come work for your company and actually feel energized versus depleted? You, 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 you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, and I think we all, unfortunately, whether it's, we, we know people have friends or whatever who are going to their jobs and they're getting more and more depleted. Gosh, come on. I should go to be able to come to a company where I'm actually energized. It doesn't mean I'm not working hard and busting my butt, but we, we all know, I mean, well, I shouldn't say we all know, but I, I, I'll use the analogy of those people who work out. Have you ever noticed sometimes after you work out, you actually feel like you have more energy? Why can't we be giving that kind of experience to our employees, even though there's going to be yucky days and in my case, difficult patients, sad days where people are dying and too, not enough beds for COVID or whatever it might be. But how can we start to create, a, a, using Doug's word, culture, an environment that supports and encourages energy 
versus feeling like you've been sucked drive everything else. And then you have to go home or then you have to turn off and be available to everyone else in your life. That is what I think we would all aspire for in our workplaces, right? I mean, that's exactly it. Can you live a longer and a healthier and happier life because you worked here? I mean, that would be phenomenal. And right. Gina, like your, your, your point around leadership, I think is spot on. I actually, I think that is so, we, we, don't, we don't, I don't think we talk about it enough. I had a conversation with um, the head of change management at Scotia Bank. And she said the number one reason change management works, she's like, it has nothing to do with me or my role, but their leaders role model the change they want to see in the company. Yeah. And that's become a huge philosophy there. And, and I think this idea of role modeling the new culture, doing it really openly is, is super important. I agree. And I think these are all such amazing predictions. I hope they all come true and that everyone <laughs> makes great changes and strides to uh, human the workforce. But before we go, I have a few predictions as well. <laughs> so as Brene Brown says, the great awkward, it's coming. And I think the best thing we can do is prepare for the great awkward because we've all gotten comfortable. We've all shrunk our social circles to what feels good and comfortable. We've worn really cozy pants. We've seen the people we wanted to see and it's going to be uncomfortable. And so having a fresh start mentality, if you can create a communication plan, a project plan, like however you want to go about it with your leadership, but to stair step and incrementally you know, ask people to come back or to step outside their comfort zone. That is going to be so key in that psychological safety and in kind of restarting those relationships because we've all just gotten our little cozy corners here and humans don't like to be uncomfortable and we're going to be uncomfortable. It's happening if we like it or not. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. It's, you know, it's, it's my favorite saying, Stand outside to become outstanding. So it, it, it's it's that idea. We've got to be willing to stand outside. We've got to be willing to jump into the unknown in order for us to be outstanding. Otherwise, we're just going to be following the trail of everyone else and being being. So, I I I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, all the things that we've discussed here really are about flipping everything on its head, examining the way we do things and trying something different to meet people where they are, because where they are now and where they're going to be in 2022 is absolutely different than where they were in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. All right. Well, does anyone else have last comments or thoughts before we go and let everyone go implement these wonderful ideas that we've discussed? <laughs> I had a lot of fun. That's my comment. Oh, yes, thank you, Andrea. This has been great. It's been great getting to meet everybody. Yeah, panels fun. I mean, again, not 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 to belabor the social thing, but powerful things happen when we when we're willing to get together and share and talk and 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 just ideate, you know. And and so, I hope everyone continues to not only listen to 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 this kind of podcast, but keep listening to each other and talking and realizing your voice is important. Embrace the awkward. Just embrace it. Go with it. Yeah. I'm going to research the frog in a pot of boiling water because <laughs> I, I didn't know that analogy and I'm curious where it came from. 
But Andrea, you know, I, when we finished our podcast last time, I shared with you something that you may not know about me, which was pasta speed dating. I would love to know uh, what is something that we may not know about you. Oh, great one. I love that question. What a good question that I like to ask other people. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I think something most people may not know about me is that I was a ballerina in a company for about 16 years or so and danced through college. So, you know, this time of year especially is nostalgic when I see all the nutcracker performances and all the, you know, the children going to see the the live shows. It really warms my heart. So I can't do that anymore, nor would I try, but I really appreciate the athleticism and dedication of those dancers. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Wow. And I, I, I just, Thanks I just that. wish this would have been a, a visual podcast so we could have seen oh. you do a little mm. performance for us. I don't think you do. What? Now, wait a minute. Wasn't, wasn't someone just saying, you know, get comfortable with the awkward or get out yeah. of our comfort? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. Fair, fair. <laughs> I love well, it. Unfortunately, this isn't a visual platform where I definitely would. So. <laughs> <laughs> good save. Good save. <laughs> well, thank you again. It was such a pleasure having you all back. And thanks to all of our listeners. We will catch you on the next episode of the HR Scoop. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the HR Scoop podcast. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or directly at webmdhealthservices.com slash podcasts. Mm-hmm.